Failure is required if we want to grow and improve and hit our goals. There's no way that you're not going to become something better if you don't experience failure because failure then helps you gain feedback on what not to do, what to do better, and where you need to adjust. Welcome to Guild Stories, the podcast where every person has a story, and it's the stories that connect us all. I'm Justin Rickliffs, founder and CEO of Guild Content. We are so grateful you're here. This podcast is a place where we'll explore the stories of hustlers, dreamers, and doers who are going for it by pursuing meaningful work and living life with purpose. Welcome to Guild Stories. Hey, y'all, welcome back to Guild Stories. Uh, I'm excited about all conversations, but this one's um, uniquely inspiring. I've been inspired by the team and the culture and the, the business that Bronson Co. has built and is building. Um, some know him as Master Co. Some know him as the founder of Coma, um, Co. Martial Arts. So you can go to thecoma.com, thekoma.com. Um, and man, I'm, I'm like kind of, uh, jittery knowing which like what, what's to come so uh, I'm, I'm eager and excited for the conversation Bronson thanks for being with us man thanks for having me I appreciate it yeah it's a blast I can't wait so um I guess in like jumping in context if if you met me on the streets like what what bring us into the the coma story um and and then we're going to wind you all the way back and kind of talk about the the early stuff too but um, if you first met somebody, like, what are you up to? What are you doing? Who, who's, uh, who's, who's Bronson Co? Sure. I am um, the founder and owner of Co-Martial Arts. We currently have two locations in uh, Overland Park and Olathe. We started, or I started the business back in 2006, and uh, it's been a crazy ride. Mm. We have uh, two standalone buildings right now. We used to um, basically lease out of a kind of a retail space, but we we grew and grew and then decided that we wanted to kind of be a standalone business. And mm. um, we we really focus on not just the martial arts, but helping our students really um, excel in life, mm. not just uh, in martial arts. Mm. So we really focus on building that character and uh, curbing behavior so it yields more success off the mats, not just on the mats. Mm, that's awesome. Um, you, you will, everyone who visits your website, visits your studios, um, will, will quickly experience, at least it was for us, a, a, a very drastic invisible difference than, mm. than maybe, and what, not necessarily like a competitor thing, but just you have, you have established a very clear position, a very clear brand, a very clear experience. Um, tell us some about that, like about the actual brand and the experience, but also kind of the why, like how, how did, why does that matter to you? Well, I think, um, it all started with my personality. Uh, I'm kind of a particular person. <laughs> <laughs> some may say I'm a little neurotic. That's awesome. Uh, particular. Wonderful yeah. word. Um, this, this actually was, is something that I was born with, mm. I, I've always noticed the little details and things in life, mm. um, starting at a young age, uh, and anything, whether it be a restaurant that I go to, I notice mm. there's a little, you know, a trash on the floor, or mm. maybe the bathroom is not classy. Like those little things mm. I've always noticed. Um, 
and it, it's just one of those 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 parts of the business that I yeah. are very important to me. And I, I talk yeah. to a lot of people, and they they tell me that it's really not that important. But I'm like, no, it is important. <laughs> That's right. The, the little things, the mm. details, is what mm. really pushes a business mm. um, to that that level of excellence. So for us, it all it's all encompassing. So, and we start with the design. I'm very particular on the design of everything that we're doing. Um, I actually will will kind of be very sensitive to a business just based on their logo, which it really doesn't matter, but I, I mm. do feel like it does matter. Of course it does. If you look yeah. at Apple, you look at Lululemon, you look at all these premium brands, Tesla, they all have this kind of premium feel. Mm. And I really firmly believe it starts with the design of the business and that when we when we define design it just doesn't mean what we see but it really comes down to what we feel that's right with our senses that's right right so we we see things we smell we hear so for our facilities for example it's always been important for me to make sure that our facilities are clutter free Mm. they don't smell like a smelly gym a dirty gym that you might encounter if you're doing CrossFit or something like that, which is pretty common in our, our industry. And I just want that feel to come across as premium mm. because that's where, what we're really trying to offer here. Mm. So the details is so important for me. Yeah, I love it. You used actually in this very office when we were having conversations about other things related to marketing and story and, and values. You used a word that articulated, at least to me, very clearly your vision, which was precise. Um, mm-hmm. You use particular here today. You use <laughs> premium. That, that word precise. Um, and we've gotten into conversations that I've really enjoyed around culture index, which I think we should talk about. Um, Enneagram mm-hmm. language. I'm mm-hmm. married to a, a one on the Enneagram, which is, happens to also be your type. So like, I, I know the lens in which... Um, precise particular people see the world and it and it does bring so much value uh, you know funny anecdote of like you know probably 10 years ago my wife went out with friends or or, or family or something she was gone for the evening and I was like oh man I'm gonna blow her away and like have her come home to a clean house kids are asleep house is sparkling <laughs> she rolls in and it's like hey like why is the this thing so dirty? <laughs> I'm like, huh? <laughs> she literally picked the, th- the like the one minor thing, but that's just how she sees. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's not her fault. She wasn't being mean. No, nope. um, I wasn't wrong in my desire to be approved. Nope. But like, nope. but she saw the thing that wasn't wasn't precise. Uh, it's a, I can tell you right now, it's a hard life. <laughs> I tr- I've tried so hard to overlook some of those things, but I'll overlook it and come back just right, like come back again. And I'm like, oh, there it is again. <laughs> It's, it's crazy. It's yeah. like the lenses that we were mm-hmm. given. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. I, it's just, as I've gotten older, it's one of those things where I've just embraced it. That's right. And um, I've learned to keep my mouth closed on a lot of the things that I see because I see more of the big picture now. Mm. And um, just trying to not be so nitpicky that it defeats mm. people where they mm. feel like, oh, I can't even win now because he's mm. going to see every little tiny thing. So mm. it's a learning process. Mm. You know, that's called life. Yeah, that's right. That's well said. All right, wind you back. Um, where'd you grow up? What was what were kind of those formative years like for sure. you? So I um, grew up in Kansas City, uh, specifically Wyandotte County. 
Uh, went to school there until about sophomore year in high school. Mm. Um, and kind of going back, I started martial arts when I was four. Mm. My father was my instructor. My father is, is considered a first a first generation master mm. from Korea. Taekwondo is from Korea. So he's very um, much in the military. He basically said mm. that he was going to be a, um, a general in the army or he's going to be a martial arts instructor. <laughs> So you can kind of see what kind of personality I'm, yep. deal, I'm yep. dealing with. Yep. Uh, so then, I wonder where the precision came. Yeah, from. Yeah, exactly. It was beat. It was beat into me. Uh, so he obviously decided to become a martial arts instructor. Kind of started his own studio from from nothing. Mm. Um, his story is pretty unique. He came here in 1976 with 15 dollars in his pocket and uh, started his his school or his studio. Literally 15 bucks. 15 dollars. And he, he started a studio in Leavenworth, and uh, he made money basically at night, overnight, cleaning restaurants, I think is what he told Man. me. And then so he built it from there. And then once I turned, turned four, he had a, um, another studio that I was basically growing up in. I actually didn't even want to do martial arts because I was so scared to take class with all the big people. Hmm. Because back then, which was, you know, I think it was in the 80s, late 80s, um, lot, not a lot of younger kids did martial arts, so I was by far the youngest. So he taught me in his office uh, for a couple months until I got used to it, and then I progressed into the main floor. Uh, and I, one of the one of the most monumental experiences I've I remember as a, as a young child doing martial arts was my black belt test. Uh, you have to jump over these these kids and do a flying side kick and break a board, and I was this tiny little you know tiny little body, and I couldn't break the board. And I, he, and I did it over and over and over again. And then he just said, enough. And I knew at that time, and I was not even seven, Whoa. right? I'm little, just a little kid. I knew at that time that meant you're not passing. And I had to wait six months to test again, right? As my, all my friends moved on in my class to become black belts, I'm sitting there now, not a black belt. Mm. And I remember, I'll never forget this moment. Uh, six months I had to wait. And then that second time I tested, I you better believe I broke that board. <laughs> <laughs> Poor board. I feel terrible for that board, yeah, exactly. man. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but but the, what I learned from that was mm. you don't always get what you want, right? Mm. And just like today I was working out and I played that, that song from, is it Rolling Stones? I'm not sure. I think it's, it's you don't get oh, what yeah, you yeah, want. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, this is what I play that's for my a, kids every yeah, morning because <laughs> they need to understand <laughs> that. You don't always get what you want, but mm. guess what? You can get mm. up the next day and try again, and you will get it if you mm. keep working hard. And that was a huge lesson for me. Mm. But anyways, I um, continued in martial arts, and I started teaching at 15 years old. My father kind of forced me to do it. And uh, back then, he didn't really have a lot of – training programs for his instructors he basically said go teach and figure it out mm. so I'm kind of introverted so I get up in front of all these students and now I have to teach and I literally just had to figure it out man talk about feeling nervous at you 15 know. oh yeah oh, 15 night. years old he's like go ahead teach a class so I winged it um, and then I started progressing and, and getting better and better getting used to it long story short mm. um, I actually was running his second location in high school at the age of 17 and 18, every single day after school, I would leave at 12 o'clock, so halfway through the day, open his studio, um, basically do all the cleaning, doing doing all the signing up or the enrollment, teaching all the classes. Good night. And these students, some of these students were triple my age, 
right? And I'll never forget that that day that I had one adult who paid in full for three years, gave me the check, right? And this was thousands of dollars. And I'm looking at him going, what is wrong with you? Why, were you, why would you pay a high school kid this much money to teach you for three years? But overall, I was, that was an eye-opening moment because it was like, hey, you could do this. Somebody actually believes in you that they're going to you know, pay a lot of money for you to teach them. Mm. So then I ended up going to KU. Um, and then after about, I don't know, three and a half years into college, I was not planning on doing this. My father told me to get a real job. Mm. He didn't see this as a real job. He saw this as like a, you know, what he, I'm using his words, a blue collar kind of job. He mm. wants me to be like mm. a, he wanted to be like a, wanted to be like an engineer, a lawyer, lawyer an engineer. yada, yeah. yada, yada. Yeah. Yeah. But then three and a half years into it, I was still lost. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I just had this epiphany like, hey, you liked what you were doing in high school. So why don't you do that? So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do that. Mm. So I graduated graduated with a degree in business and then seriously like a month after I graduated not even a month two weeks after I graduated we opened up my seriously own business. That, that quick yeah I didn't have any break <laughs> afterwards so then he helped me open up that first location uh seven months later I bought it from him because we were mm. profiting and that's just my personality um I I just I'm that guy who it's it's hard for me to work for anybody mm. uh so then I bought it from him, grew, grew, grew. Um, we ended up tripling our business after, you know, after like three years or whatever. Dang. We had substantial growth. But then there were moments where mm. I um, overexerted myself mm. and I, I tried to grow too fast. Mm. And we had a month or two where I was like, you know what? I don't know how I'm going to pay rent because yep. I leveraged myself too, yep. too far. Been there. Yeah. Oh, so then uh, that was another learning moment. Mm -hmm. And then... Uh, here we are today. We have two buildings standalone. We built them from the ground up. One of them is 8,000 square feet. The other one's 5,000 square feet. And these are uh, buildings right next to um, uh, really busy roads. So they're mm -hmm. kind of in prime location. So um, I'm very blessed in that way. And to be honest, that's all my wife. Mm -hmm. She's the financial backbone mm -hmm. in this operation. So she gets all the credit for that. It's awesome. Yeah. What a wonderful uh, thank you, number one, for sharing it and, and it, it, honor like I, I feel honored to hear your story man I, I knew pieces of that um it, but it's it's it makes sense as I sit like in this beautiful premium particular precise building um I'm like yeah man like it makes it makes total sense like you were you were in the heart of a a very um I think we could say it this way like affluent county and an affluent part of the country and and you you've belong here like that th this feels very um it, it feels very premium in a very very premium county uh which is cool and so i think what i'd love to kind of dig into and understand a little bit more of is um you you mentioned your father didn't have as much not because he was unorganized or whatever but didn't have as many processes and mm -hmm. and and the way that you've um i think that I guess the long-winded question is you have very specific process. You have very specific um, protocols for the way in which your um, instructors, how they teach. And, and, and I have a phrase in my mind from one of our previous conversations about you view yourself as a teacher um, almost as much as you do an entrepreneur or a business owner or a, um, you know, you know, 
uh, vision caster. You, you're a teacher at heart, which is wonderful. So I guess I, I'd love to un, unpack that. Like, where does that come from? Why is that important? Why, why do you feel like your instructors can benefit from? And again, it all ties back to the experience and the brand, of course. But I'd love to hear your, your perspective on why and how have you built some of those specific pieces of um, teaching material, really? Sure, sure. So um, very early in this process of, of being an, a business owner, I realized that I, I must fall in love with systems and processes if I wanted to scale. Mm. And um, it's very hard for a uh, an Enneagram One mm. to do this because we're always thinking, uh, hey, I can just do it myself. It's, 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 it would probably be, be, honestly, it'd probably be better if you did in the short yeah. term, right? Right. Like an Enneagram one is better off doing the thing and fixing right. it than having someone else yep. do it clunkily. <laughs> exactly. Right. But we all know that's a flawed way of thinking if you want to scale. Now, if you want to be a mom and pop, then you can mm-hmm. always do that. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I always, I always argue that even if you're a mom and pop, you still need somebody to, to be there to cover for you when you get sick because you're going to get sick and there's going to be days you can't work. So you need somebody to step in. Mm-hmm. So with the um, building of systems and processes, I really, this is, this is so important for me. I want the experience to be as consistent as possible for all of our students. I don't want a student to receive a different experience because a different instructor taught them. Mm. The idea mm. or the goal is that it doesn't matter who taught you, you are feeling pretty much the same thing. Now, we can't get perfect, even though I would love that. <laughs> But we can get pretty close. I always say somewhere my wife's smiling, right? Like right the same. I always always say strive for a hundred percent, and you could fail at ninety nine. Yeah, right. right. Strive for perfection. So, um, and it's interesting because even in Mm. high school, I kind of created the Mm. curriculum for my father because he didn't have any. He had a curriculum. I don't want to say he didn't have one, but it wasn't as... It was more intuitive, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was written down, but it wasn't objective-based, right? I wanted it very much objective-based where it's like, you do this, you do this, you do this, and now you get your belt. Mm. Instead of, you just keep coming to class, and then you get your belt when I feel like you get it. I don't do well with that. Mm. I'm very much objective-based, so Mm. that's the first thing I created. And then uh, with the instructor training, again, the only way we're going to scale is if we have training in place so then an instructor can come in or even anybody can come in take the training and then become this star here at coma because mm-hmm. our instructors are our stars mm-hmm. if those they are our product they are our like everything so we really really take that training seriously um and then again with the with the systems and processes this is something that i've had to realize just recently is they're never going to be perfect, mm. even though I want them to. Because mm. as soon as you make them perfect, guess what happens? Time mm. goes by, mm. and you have to update them again. Mm. So that has definitely been a huge learning lesson. Mm. Mm. That's wonderful. I, I, I'm, I'm wondering, how do you <clears throat> encourage and celebrate individuality? Mm-hmm. Each instructor is different inherently, while also like adhering to <sighs> consistent processes experience right like um they, they aren't enemies by any means they, they don't contradict each other yep. but how do you um encourage and have 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 people step into their own individual ways of doing systems or processes? does that make sense yep absolutely 
I always say that the system or the process is going to be fueled by the personality, mm. right? So that process is there for a reason. We've got to operate within those parameters. But within, the, within those parameters, you be you, mm. right? You can, you can share who you are. And we are very much a personality-based business. And I always will tell my instructors, I want you to always be you because that's who the students want to see. People love authenticity. People right. love transparency. They love honesty. So even if I'm sitting here talking about we want this consistent experience, I just want that consistent experience, but fueled by the personality awesome. of that awesome. instructor, right? Yep. Because the more, the more um, diversity we have in personalities, the better. Because not every student's the same. Right, so every every student's going to be different and unique. Some instructors might have a certain personality that connects with them; others may not. And this is where we're going to get that beautiful, um, just variety of of personalities in the business. That's wonderful. Uh, an analogy, my mind. I'm a seven on the enneagram, so I love thinking in story and, and mm -hmm. metaphor and analogy. Um, one that that has really connected with me is. Um, the concept of a trellis and a vine in winemaking. Um, you can have beautiful vines that produce grapes for a season of time, but if they don't have the trellis and the structure to support them and allow them to gr grow and flourish, they literally will rot and die, mm -hmm. quite literally. But also, if you just have a row of trellises without the right grapes and the right art and creativity, it's just literally just a row of processes. Like, right. Eh, right. Right. Um, so you said the same thing. You said the, the different version of the same thing, which is your structure, process, consistency, precision is the backbone to allow them to flourish, allow them to be themselves. If yep. they all came in and were just themselves with no structure, it's a hot mess. Yep. It's, the experience would, would be far right. from consistent or maybe even beneficial. Um, we call that. that the come away here. Huh? So um, the way we do things, we call it the come away. Mm. And basically that's just, again, the, the, mm. the, the parameters and, for example, mm. the curriculum or how we teach, mm. those are the kind of levers that you're allowed to, to, to uh, maneuver. Mm. But again, when they come in, I mean, when they're working here, I, I want them to expand mm. and I want them to, honestly, I have them, I ask them to challenge the processes I love to be challenged, <laughs> yep. right? Because I want the best result. And I tell them all the time, if, my, if the process we've created, you feel is not the best and it's not yielding the best result, tell us. Let's talk about it. Let's debate it. I love to debate too, because then again, we can come up with the best process. Yeah, that's wonderful. How, I, I, I love the, the image in my mind was one of your instructors who came from another similar, not similar, but related, I guess I should say, uh, studio. And he talked even the intentionality around like how to face students, how to get yeah. on their level, how to not turn your back to them. Like, I th it's just beautiful, man. Like the level of precision and care. It's really, it, it is precise, but it's also caring. Like the, oh, the, yeah. the deliberate nature in which you engage. I'd love to hear your heart on that. Like how do you engage the students at their level, literally, mm -hmm. physically, how you don't turn your back on them? Like, why does that matter? Oh yeah. This is, I feel like this is a unique approach to 
teaching, mm. maybe I can I can say it's pretty unique in the in our industry. But I would I would even argue just in teaching in general, because again with my with my personality and how picky I can be, <laughs> I start to really dissect mm. things. Because mm. again, I want the best result. I want the student to to feel the best experience. So when we talk about teaching, we need to start talking about communication. And when we, when we start thinking about communication, then we, we, we will land on body language. And body language is, I think, 80% of communication, and that includes tone and pitch. And we literally will train on tone and pitch, almost like singers. And that also includes pace, how quickly you can speak or how fast you speak, how slow you speak, when should you speak slow, when should you speak fast, what should you do with your body when you're speaking to a student, because mm. there's different positions that will... Um, Intimidate. Or oh, burn. yeah. Yeah. Crossing yeah. your arms, right? Mm -hmm. That's intimidating. Or even putting your hands on your hips looks intimidating, right? Or, or like you're disappointed in or whatever. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And you, like you said, getting down on their level, and this is something that I've seen over the many, many years of me doing this is the instructor or the teacher stands up while you have a five-year-old who's like tiny. And now you're wondering why there's no connection because your eye levels are not mm. aligned, mm. right? It's like you're talking down at them mm. and what literally, we, yes. literally yeah. talking down yeah. at them. Yeah. So what we do is say, Hey, get down on a knee. So then you're eye to eye. Mm. And the other thing that we Beautiful. really, really focus on is intrinsic motivation. And this where this is going back to that communication. Mm. My the end goal for our instructors is to be able to teach a class with basically not moving. And what does that mean? Well, that means that we're using our words because what we want is our mm. student to choose to want to do good for us. Mm. Not because I'm jumping around like a maniac <laughs> and injecting energy into the environment because I'm getting all crazy and getting you excited to do do you know to do your best. Mm. We might do a little bit of that in the beginning, but eventually the goal is they have so much admiration for you. You've inspired them so much that you literally just talk to them and they do their best. That's the end goal. It's awesome. That's not easy to attain. Sure. But all those little things I'm talking about with communication, body language, how you do things, it all plays into um, attaining that end result. Mm, that's awesome, man. Walk me through, you know, macro or as micro as you want the the concept and 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 again kind of the polls in my mind as i as i asked the question are you you talked about you know kind of the maybe the old or the stereotypical way of the of the switch i think you called it like the the punish kind of the the mindset around like do it because i told you to do it sure which relates to your intrinsic motivation versus this like um responsible, intrinsic, um, stepping into power? A, like, why do you care about that difference? And then B, um, why is why is that in the long run a more powerful and transformational, maybe even if I could be dramatic, um, way of doing it? Um, long story short, um, intrinsic motivation for me is the go-to strategy because it's the most effective. So when I was growing up, and you actually when we were growing up, yeah. 
you know, you can think about the carrot and stick approach, yeah. right? I said switch. I right. meant stick. Carrot and stick. Switch, yeah. switch yeah. also existed too. <laughs> but yeah, it <laughs> it's either you, you reward with a carrot or you get behind yeah. them and you hit them with a stick. That's right. That's right. And hitting them, people with a stick or using a fear-based approach with trying to motivate people to do better mm. and specifically to do things they don't want to do just doesn't work in the long term, That's right. right, over the long run. It can work in the short term, but as soon as you stop, then they also stop their motivation, right? They stop being motivated. So overall, I always want the other person, the student, to, again, make that final decision. And this is goes, this goes into parenting, too. That's right. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. It all goes back to, again, relationships where you're trying to help somebody choose something they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And intrinsic, intrinsic motivation is where it is. How does this happen? Again, it really goes back to developing the relationship first. You've got to almost prove yourself to the, to the student, to your child, and say, look, I'm here for you. I'm going to um, show you the way, but guess what? I'm also going to hold you accountable. And I'm not going to do it for you, but I'm going to support you every step of the way. But you have to take the steps. I can't pick that's you right. up. you got to take the steps. you got to right. pedal. Uh, and that's, that's, that's really the approach that I use even for my own kids. Mm. And it really starts with asking questions. Mm. We tend, as parents, and even instructors, whoever, we tend to just tell people or tell our students, tell our children to do things. You do this, do this, do this. But the problem with that is, first off, they didn't ever chose to do it. Mm. And ultimately, they still have to choose. And second, they're not even thinking when you just tell them to do something, they're not even thinking. But when you ask, now you're forcing them to okay. think about what you're wanting them, them to do. So that's a huge thing we do here is, uh, I talk about this all the time, is ask instead of tell. Mm-hmm. Which is, which in the short term is actually really hard. Very it, hard. And it's, and it's very, um, especially for folks, probably like both of us to an extent, but also in general, just like the higher ambition, higher motor, higher effective. uh, uh, That sounded self-serving as I said that. That's not what I intended. But it is sometimes in the short term easier to tell and do. Let's go. Come on. You're moving too slow. Let's get on it. Let's let's rock, right? That like efficiency or productivity mindset only. But man, I've I've stumbled my way through it the hard way of like, it actually is so much more rewarding, so much better, so much more whole and freeing and flourishing when there is a an invitation by question invitation by curiosity mm-hmm. versus the hey we should go do this let's go get on the bus right, right. like it, it actually in the short term is easier to say get on the bus and let's rock um by either by fear shame guilt whatever t- twisted tactic that you yep. that i could devise or scheme but my goodness like you said that the healthy holistic um, ultimately transformational way is through curiosity, which is wild. I've had to learn this as a leader, Same. especially still learning it because <laughs> I'm very impatient yep. and I just go, Hey guys, this is what we're doing. Let's go. But then I forget that nobody really chose this path yet. We've got to allow them to choose first. Mm. And sometimes that takes mm. time and an impatient person like myself, that's painful. Yeah. Cause I want, I want the new thing for our business right now, <laughs> that's right. right now. That's right. But they're like, no, we're already we're doing the thing you in, you integrated last month. <laughs> <Just> so <laughs> I'm like, and what's your point? <laughs> but 
<laughs> you know, like you said, it really comes down to choosing developing mm. instead of executing. Because mm. all we want to do is execute, but mm. we really have to focus on developing our children, our students, mm. our employees. And guess what? That takes too much time yeah. for us, yeah. but That's in right. reality, it requires time. Yeah, well said, man. Um, shifting slightly, I'd love for you to hear your perspective on you know, the building character components. Mm -hmm. So think about, again, you know, children today, the stuff they're facing, the stuff they're being forced to face. Um, how does, how does your, obviously the martial arts piece specifically, but deeper than that, your perspective and view and approach, um, man, our kids are up against a lot. Like the, the, the current, and the headwinds are coming at them hard. And we, we even had a side conversation about eighth grade bullying, right? Like the, the, the stuff that we're facing is real. And of course we faced a, our generate, our, our parents and grandparents faced similar things in terms of con content, but the context is so different now. Um, how does, how does your approach of build character establish resilience you will fail and it's okay and you're not going to die <laughs> like how does how does how does some of this translate into the streets of like man neighborhoods and schools and the fabric of our society like this stuff again not to be too dramatic is like wildly important absolutely so um first and foremost i think what the kids are dealing with today is just uh, a little bit more complex than what we dealt, dealt with mm -hmm. Um, even with bullying, um, just like we were talking about, when, when somebody was bullying you, back when we were growing up, it was like, I'm going to punch you in the face, <laughs> or right. let's go meet in the parking lot and right. fight, right? Or they came up, up and just hit you. Mm -hmm. And that's really simple to understand, right? Now, it's, it's and we did, have, yeah. we did have verbal bullying yeah. too. I, I've yeah. experienced that as well. But now it's complex because now they're getting on technology and they're spreading things about each other right. without you even knowing. And all of a sudden you have all these kids who heard about something that somebody else said about you. And now it all comes down to this psychological, emotional resilience, which is difficult, mm. difficult to mm. attain. Mm. It is so difficult. I would, I would argue it's, it's, it's harder than just being able to um, attain skills to fight. Like physical skills is easier than to get that Absolutely. emotional psychological. 100%. Because it all starts with emotional psychological. We That's overeat, right. we don't train, or we don't work out. We make bad decisions because we, we don't have that emotional and uh, physiological, I mean, sorry, psychological yeah. resilience. That's right. That's right. Right? Which is basically making those hard decisions in life. Mm. So here, the approach is to mm. build our students up gradually into that resilience, almost like a black belt mm. shield that mm. they attain in their mind, mm. um, kind, of, kind of having that black belt discipline. But the problem is, is uh, people want it now, right? But it takes time and we slowly build up to it. So for example, we'll have a five-year-old that comes in, they're crying because they don't want to do class, right? They see all these people on our mats and sometimes we'll have 30, 40 kids on the mats. So that's intimidating, just like I went through. Yeah, sure. They're crying and then they, you know, eventually get over that. So that's the first <laughs> hurdle they get over. Then they start doing class, right? And it's fun. And then uh, they start learning all these different things and they have to test for their next belt. Now, now they have to um, get up in front of parents and all these spectators and perform. Guess what? Now we get more tears because now they're scared about terrifying. doing that. It's yeah, terrifying right. for them. And I get it. 
but then they eventually get over that. And then as time progresses, we, we keep giving them more experiences where they, they feel um, uncomfortable and, and scared and they overcome it over and over again. And eventually you'll find this child three, four years later, who's a black belt. And you look at him, you're like, who is this kid? Who is this child? I mean, it's like a 180 transformation. Mm. And I'm sitting here talking about this because I've seen it hundreds, if not thousands of times over and over and over again. Like I told you before, I'm objective based. I'm not going to sit here and just tell you about fluff, right? About some story that I made up. This is, this is real life. <clears throat> but for us, it, mm. uh, it really comes down to helping our children, helping our students specifically, uh, slowly develop the emotional resilience, uh, the grit. That's a, popular word right now to, uh, to to really understand and accept that it is okay to fail mm -hmm. and ultimately failure is required that's right it's required for some reason we forgot that failure is required if we want to grow and improve and hit our goals there's no way that you're not going to become something better if you don't experience failure because failure then helps you gain feedback on what not to do, what to do better, and where you need to adjust. Good night, man. That's <laughs> like preach, yes, mic drop, <laughs> wonderful. Uh, there, there's like it, the, the emotional resilience comment and concept is so needed, especially, I mean, for me as a 41-year-old dude, and certainly for kids. Um, and, and the generation that's following us, because I think, and, and, and again, kind of like polar extremes here of like the celebration and the validation of emotion as fact, right? Like the, the, oh my gosh, I feel scared. And then there's no action taken. And the, the, the emotion gets celebrated on one hand mm. or on the other, which I lived a lot of my life this way in my own story of, of growing or the denial of emotion and the unaware yep. asleep coping, um, deny the emotion and act like it doesn't exist. And really it's killing you on the inside and ultimately going to, going to cascade your life in a negative way. Um, in, in a healthy is an acknowledgement of the emotion, but also not a celebration of it as, as you know, feelings are not facts kind of concept. Um, but that the denial of it is equally as troubling or concerning. And I love how you con concept this into real life of like, hey, you are going to feel afraid. I get it. Like that empathetic, connected approach of, of course you're terrified, five-year-old. You're standing yep. in front of all these adults that have iPhones holding up, like taking yep. pictures of you because they're about to post it on Facebook. Like I get that you're terrified. Of course you are. And like, buddy, you're going to be okay. Yep. Like I think that like, buddy, you're going to be okay concept is is missing in both of those kind of extremes. And it's just, it's so damn refreshing and powerful to to equip folks to be honest, to be real, to share and name their emotion, but also not be crippled by, by it. Um, and so, man, I'm just, yeah, it's, it's fun to hear you unpack that. It's super that, cool. that strategy is so powerful. I, I, I came across that in a book. Uh, I think it was a parenting book, but you just said it, and it's the of course. Mm. So your mm. child is saying, I'm scared about doing this, or I'm scared to try out for the team. Instead of saying, well, why are you scared? <laughs> Quit being a, scared. It's not a big deal. Right. Like, just do it. You actually do the opposite and you can say, you know what? Of course you're scared. Right. This is a scary moment. That's yes. Right. But guess what? We're still going to do it. Yeah, 
That's right. Because this is how we grow. That's right. And I'll be here. Mm. Don't worry. I'll be here for you. But guess what? You're going to have to finish, mm. finish this on your own. Mm. <laughs> but acknowledging is definitely yeah. something That's that right. we both, both, both of us mm. uh, as, as children never experienced, mm. right? Mm. With the feeling depressed, feeling anxious. And they're like, why are you feeling anxious? Get Stop. over it. No big deal. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. Stop that emotion. Yes. You can't yes. do that. Uh, man, right? my, my, own, my own marriage journey included a season of my life telling my oneness yep. wife, yep. precise, per, per, particular, Yep. Um, at times would ex- express quite literal worry. She's worried. She's afraid. She's scared. And I'd be like, Stop worrying. <laughs> Like, how'd that turn out for you terrible <laughs> like i'm surprised she still lets me wear the wedding ring kind of surprise right like terrible and and i look back on that and that was that was like decade ago not 40 years ago yeah and i'm going my goodness i had so much to learn and still do yeah but the but the concept of stopping an emotion is not it, it it's denial it's literally denial yeah um and, think, and you know, yeah good i think it's important that once you um, recognize or at least identify the emotion mm. that we don't sit still. We want to always keep moving forwards. And I think mm. that's kind of the issue today in today's culture is we just sit and, and feel it. Okay, that's great. You got to identify the emotion, right. but then you got to keep moving forward. What are we going to do with this right. emotion? Are we going to find the root cause? Why are you feeling depressed? Why are you feeling the an- right. you know anxious? What is the root cause? Just like, you know, in, in medicine or in your medical field, mm. you're not going to sit there and just say, all right, you got cancer. And then you sit there. Go get them. No, you yeah. got to figure out what are we going to do about That's this? Right. And that doesn't necessarily mean you always have to take medicine because you're feeling depressed, but maybe there's something else that you could be doing, but keep moving forwards, mm. keep overcoming, and then you will eventually feel different. Mm. Amen. Preach. Um, how does that <clears throat> concept relate that the, the, the Thoughts I'm trying to connect in my mind are your emphasis on a tool. It's not the it's not the only tool, but it is a tool, the culture index, which yep. you've graciously allowed some members of our team to participate in, which has yep. been super helpful. Yep. Um, with kind of core values, right? So as you think, mission's great, vision's great, but like the DNA, the the coma way is made up of a DNA of. And we're doing our own exercise internally about this kind of stuff, in part because of conversations like I've had with you and others around, oh, man, like I've had fuzzy, unclarified, um, and maybe even like uh, assumptions of what we should be, but I haven't spoken it. And so I've like harbored resentment around somebody, something or somebody that doesn't exhibit the ways that I want it to mm-hmm. be, right? Mm-hmm. And so, again, learning and growing and um, lots, of, lots, of, uh, lots of stuff there. But like those concepts around core values of the business and the people more, more specifically, along with the culture index concept, how's that played out for you? Sure. So the culture index is a, kind of a personality assessment tool. There's so many out there. Um, there's another one called predictive index. I tried that as well. And then you have your, your Myers-Briggs mm-hmm. and you have your um, Enneagram, like you mm-hmm. talked about. <clears throat> with all these different personality tools, I think they offer a unique um, perspective or just a different view of the personality. Um, the predictive index and culture index is pretty similar, but I ended up choosing culture index because I felt like it was a little bit more precise. Mm. But specifically, <laughs> yeah, they, oh my goodness, I just realized I said that. <laughs> so I love it. <laughs> but, of course uh, you did. 
basically you'll <clears throat> you'll take the assessment and it's 10 minutes long and you choose words mm. and it, it spits out this result of who you are mm. and the result is basically dots mm. i'm very much an amateur in reading the dots but basically it'll it'll talk about autonomy uh, how social you are how patient you are and um how detailed you are what's your follow-through what's your you know how much are you going to conform mm. and then you have your logic score which is basically how emotional or how logic you are when you're thinking and making decisions. And then last one uh, is the I score, which is your ingenuity score. How, uh, how, how many times are you going to come up with things out of thin air, like different ideas, creative ideas? So with, with that, we actually can align that assessment, that result to who we are. So for example, our, one of our core, value is, core values is precise, right? Anybody who comes into this business and works here, they must be pretty precise. Mm. Now, they don't have to be perfect, but that's got to be in their DNA because if they're not, they're going to struggle mm. because that's who we are as black belts is that we're precise. We don't do things in a sloppy way, right? Mm -hmm. So then when we're uh, hiring, we actually have them take that assessment and we can know right off the bat, mm. are they precise or not? Mm. And it's not um, against that person if they're not. I, I just don't want them sitting in the wrong seat because right. they're going to be that's so right. uncomfortable. That's right. They're going to feel so uncomfortable. And, you know, with, with my personality, I do research beyond research when I'm looking for something, right? Even your podcast gear, I'm like checking it out because I already knew exactly what <laughs> you did. microphone yeah, you yeah, had. Like, right. I, I, get, I dive in. So with the personality tools, uh, I really firmly believe in mm -hmm. Culture Index completely, and it's been huge. And I really appreciate Enneagram as well. But again, the Culture Index has been mm -hmm. really precise. Mm -hmm. Core values has been, mm. oh my goodness, what a journey. Mm. Like I've, I've made them, I created them in the beginning and then my team was like, eh, I don't know if that's who we are. Mm. So then I had to go through an exercise with a consultant who helped us with a different perspective of creating our core values. So we actually just did this like a month ago. Now, mm. now my team, especially the, the leaders of the managers and management, mm. they are on board. And that's huge. Like we were Big talking time. about what we talked about earlier about or not autonomy, but choosing mm. and being on board, buying in. Mm. Now they're bought in, which is very because they helped author it, right? Literally, right. They helped create, and yeah. that's that's actually yeah. truth too. Because if you're somebody like me, I'm I'm considered an architect in uh, culture index, and basically, what does that mean? Is mm. I can I can think. Um, kind of big picture, mm. but then I can dive right back into the details and create it literally from scratch. Mm. The problem with that is I cr I'll create processes or core values and nobody else created it. And I'm like, here, I hand it to them. <laughs> and I'm wondering why they're not like buying into it. <laughs> don't you think this is amazing? I don't understand. Right. Look how amazing this is. And like, I don't care. But if they had, if they came up with the same word, if they played a different. part in it, That's oh right. my goodness, this is a right. huge difference. That's right. That's and right. Uh, it's been really powerful. <laughs> Business can be so complex at times, but it really is simple. Just get the right people together and you know, have a clear mission. What are you trying to do in your business? Get the right people on board, and you're going to be successful. That's right, man. Well said. Um, we've got about seven or eight minutes. I want to be precise with our uh, my allotted time. I'm like, shoot, because <laughs> uh, I'll I'll meander through all sorts of weird trails here, man. If you let me, yep. um, I would love to hear. You know, you you used a concept that's not your own, but I love that you said it. Big, hairy, audacious goal. Oh, yeah. You used the acronym BHAG in one of our first meetings, and mm -hmm. I was like, I love 
this guy and this team and this brand already just because of the way that you think and the way you see the world. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Your BHAG is, and, and also why is that concept important? And, and it relates to what you just said about the ability to zoom buck back out, see a bigger picture. Yeah. Why for an owner, entrepreneur, um, builder, why is that important? How does that inspire or give life to you? Um, and maybe what are the dangers in like that ability to see so far out in the future? It's a curse, to be honest. When I see things almost too, almost too far away, mm. where I'll just mm. keep my eyes on that far away goal, but then I forget that you got to get things done today. Mm. So you kind of have you need both, right? You need mm. you need do both type, types of people in a business. You need your visionary and your integrator, which mm. is an EOS. Those are EOS mm. terms. But uh, for us, originally, I wanted a thousand locations, mm. right? And that's my, you know, crazy ambitious side of my personality. But we really landed on 110 years, right? Mm -hmm. We went 100 locations in 10 years. And the BHAG is so important to set because if you don't set it, then you're basically just going to be operating on a day-to-day, month-month basis based on no really big end goal. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. what we never want to do is sell ourselves short where, you know, 10 years from now, you're like, oh, my goodness, I didn't set my goal high enough. And that's honestly my biggest fear is that I never set my goal high enough. There's people um, that I've, I've been around who like to sugarcoat things so they can make themselves feel better, which means they lower the, yeah. the fence and that's then right. they easily hop over it. Look what I just did. All right. I want to make a wall that goes up to the moon that's and awesome. then I want to keep climbing until I die. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, is a lot of people can't, I can't handle that because mm -hmm. they want the wins. For mm -hmm. me, I, I, the wins are great. But at the same time, mm -hmm. after I win, I have this curse where it's like, what's next? Mm -hmm. I almost don't even experience it, which is, uh, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. But that's, yeah. a, that's a curse too. But mm -hmm. yeah, that's yeah. going to be our, our big goal. But really for me is, I've, I've realized this, that I don't, I don't care about the money. I don't care about any of the, anything else other than I just want to help more kids. Mm -hmm. I want to help more people. I get so, so fulfilled watching somebody just get, get healthier mm -hmm. and just get more confident, get more focused, get control and a bigger handle on their own life. That's what fuels me. And I just think about all these people in different cities, right? Because we're in Olathe and Alvin Park and we, we pull from other cities, but mm -hmm. there's other cities out there with kids who are just like me, shy, introverted, uh, didn't believe in themselves and they need this, but we just got to get them. We just got to get there. Something visibly changed in you just now, number one, your emotion. It was really cool to watch, but, but it reminded me again, we sat in the same office uh, with a broader team, both of our broader teams a few weeks back. And we asked you a similar question around the stories of transformation, the stories of that kid and, and what, he or she is now and man you lit up like you and, and I'm sure you felt it but I don't just to name it like you changed you were engaged the whole time the whole time um and very gracious with your with your time and your energy but like something else came out in you when when that concept and so it's just it's neat because I think it's like it's tempting to believe um man like these owners of companies or this like 
CEO or entrepreneur or guy who wants to build a hundred. He's just in it to like build a brand and build a thing and have a bunch of money or fame or whatever. And it's like, man, what's really like, we're human and you're human and you're, you've got a story that you're quite literally architecting Mm -hmm. that has like, um, and, and we're nerds on story, but like what's at stake is a question we ask a lot. Um, and that emotional connection, connective tissue is like, what's at stake for you? Of course, it's got to be precise and you're going to have beautiful yeah. buildings and it's got to be profitable and all the other stuff, of course. But like really what's at stake for you is some five-year-old kid who is used to being talked down to, mm-hmm. um, getting on his level or her level and watching her or him transform and become the thing or the person or the power in, the, in, a, in a beautiful sense, like the, the flowing of power and energy, like freeing, unlocking that person and allowing them to experience a life that is, is meaningful and purposeful and confident. And so hundred percent. Yeah. Anyway, it's just, it's 100%. fun. It's fun to watch. It's fun to see that change in you. Um, okay, man, we got to like wrap it. So, Five final questions, and I yep. prepped you a little bit. Yep. Um, I should have probably sent these to you two weeks ago. <laughs> so That's you, all right. So, so that you would feel uh, fully prepared. <laughs> um, first one, last or, or meaningful book in your life or library? I'm going to be really honest. Um, the Bible is for mm. me, and mm. it, it really just, in my opinion, what I believe in is that this mm. is the it's like the operations manual for yourself, yeah, right? Yeah. It's like, do this, don't do this, do this. And you're going to feel peace and fulfilled. Yeah. So I don't know what else do you need. <laughs> it's a good, it's the, it is a good one. That's it the is. core book that I read every single morning. As soon as I get up, do my cold shower, and mm. then I do one chapter from the Bible every single morning. Mm. Uh, mm. That's a habit that mm. was not hard, or that was hard to start, but mm. now it's like I love it every morning. But I'm into the Bible part. I'm questioning the cold shower. Yeah, cold, cold shower, shower sucks part. every single time. It's terrible. <laughs> I've been doing it for over three years, and uh. it is horrible every single time. You'd think you'd get used to it, but uh. no, nope, no, you don't. Um, I'll give you a second book, and it's uh, The CEO Next Door. Mm. I don't know if you heard of this, but basically mm. you mentioned um, just other CEOs, and mm. you're like, hey, they're human too. This is something I've always struggled with as well. Mm. You know, I don't wear a suit and tie. Mm. You know, I don't speak the lingo. I'm not um, what you consider like a typical CEO. But mm. And I've struggled with that even recently of am I the right mm. person? Mm. And then yeah. this book talks about all these successful CEOs and owners and founders they were all normal people who mm. started out on the ground level. That's right. Right? They started out in the fields, and then they became that leader. Mm. And that was very inspiring for me because, mm. you know, I, I do have a business degree, but I've never really had a real job. Mm. <laughs> this has always been this, the, the thing that I've done. Mm. Um, and in martial, you know, think about martial arts. You know, that's not like a you know, mm. business thing, right? Mm. It's kind of a mysterious mm. hobby, I would, mm. I would say. Uh, I would say that would be one of the recent books that I read that was pretty inspiring. That's amazing. I love that. Um, and I needed to hear that too. Um, favorite t-shirt is favorite t-shirt. Honestly, it's very boring is my coma shirts. I wear it every single day, even I, on the weekends. I was like, I've seen you in those. Nonstop, <laughs> yeah. man. It's, you know, I'm a, I'm a simple guy. I like to, um, I definitely like to not have to think about what I'm going to wear. So then I architected, what am I going to wear? Well, what can I wear that's going to hit a check a couple of boxes? Well, first, it needs to be comfortable, yep. right? 
Um, and I usually wear, oh, I'll admit it, a Lululemon shirts. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have our logo on the front. So that's kind of the, the go-to shirt that I literally wear like 90% of the week, if not 95% of the week. You've, re- you've removed some other complicated, you, you've freed yourself up. It's like, it's like what, whatever Steve Jobs wearing the black yep. shirt every day. It's like you've I've removed that. I've considered doing that. Yeah. 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 So it's so oh, I hate thinking about what I'm going to wear. Yeah. Uh, it's just a time waster for me. For what? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, why do I need to think about what I'm going to wear? That's so great. That's so great. Um, what would you do right now if you weren't afraid? That's a good question. I would, I'd probably get a little more aggressive with expanding the, the, uh, comma brand. Mm. Mm. You know, uh, we actually, we actually franchised our brand. Mm. It's there sitting there waiting for anybody who's ready, mm. but we haven't found that right person yet. So if there's somebody that comes by and they're like, Hey, we believe in what you're doing. And we've actually had parents who've, who've expressed mm. this, but, um, that would be the next step. But I, I just get stuck with trying to make the experience for our students better and better. Mm. That, to me, is always the most important. So it's hard for me to branch out and start expanding the business and thinking about all that because I'm like, hey, we've got all these, these students here who I feel like they could be getting a bit better experience. So I get so narrow, like laser-focused on sure. that. Sure, yeah. But we are, we're, we're going to expand. We're going to keep going uh, in God's time, though. Yeah, that's right. Well said. Um, Number four, favorite place on earth? This is a tough question. I don't really travel much. I would say uh, anywhere outdoors. Mm. It's interesting because when I was younger, I didn't really care about being outdoors. Mm. But now after I've gotten older, even just going off-roading, like we were talking about before, just getting out and you're stuck in the middle of the forest. Oh, my goodness. Mm. That just feels like God's country. Yeah, it quite literally (laughs) is. It's amazing. (laughs) And it's what I need, especially since I'm so techie. I'm such a techie guy that I get so obsessed with with being on my computer and creating things and yada, yada, yada. But really, we were meant to be away from all this stuff. There's a concept I've loved the last couple of years. I can't remember where I read it. I should quote them. But the concept is nature, a nature bath. And when it's like quite literally the trees shed or produce or like they they bathe you um, when when you can put the same story like digital addiction all over the place in my yep. world right yep. like shut them down leave them in the vehicle go on a walk <laughs> like yeah. be outside let your yep. feet hit dirt like it it's a game changer for sure even just mindset wise no no absolutely question. um all right last one man um yep. when it's all said and done what do you want to be remembered for i want to be remembered for this is something i struggle with every day um not internally but maybe how i'm perceived but just being mm. humble mm. i want People to say, hey, that was a humble guy who always tried to help the fellow person next to him mm. or anybody. Mm. So really, I just want to be remembered as humble and mm. helping mm. and ultimately sharing the gospel. Mm. Yeah. That's that's not an easy thing to do, but yeah. that's something I'm trying to do every single day. Yeah, well, you did today, man. And uh, I've, I've enjoyed and been moved by um, your story. So thanks for sharing it. I appreciate if the people, opportunity. Yeah, if people want to tag along and, and learn more where where would you send them oh they can go to the como.com t-h-e-k-o-m-a.com we're also on facebook and uh, basically any other social media platform but if you go on there you actually can schedule a, a lesson for free come in check us out see if we're a good fit or not uh, and that's where you can get started you're the man it's been a blast thanks so much for sharing your story thank you sir
As always, thank you for listening. Your attention is super valuable, so thank you for giving it to us. If you're a fan of the show, please go rate and review us wherever you're listening to this. I would really appreciate it. Until next time, when we get to share another great conversation with you, have a great week and let your life tell a meaningful story.